Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. The last stand where we bring you the biggest names in the sport. I am Brian Custer, and in the 168-pound division, one of the biggest names is our guest today. He is a two-time WBC super middleweight champion. He's known as El Bandera Roja in the ring, the red flag. He is David Benavidez. David, welcome to the last stand. How you doing, man? And uh, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me out to be on the Last Stand podcast. And I really appreciate you guys reaching out. And, you know, everything is going good, man. I've been working extremely hard. You know, I've been up in Big Bear. I've been up here for 11 weeks already. So I'm just ready to put on a great performance March 13th. Yeah, so March 13th, you're, you're going to be on Showtime Championship Boxing headliner taking on Ronald Ellis. What should we expect? What do you know about Ronald Ellis? Well, you know, but Ronald Ellis has, you know, he probably has as much experience as I have. You know, he's he's 30 years old. He's either 29 or 30 years old. I'm not too sure. But um, he's coming off of a big win against Matt Koroboff. And, you know, like, I, uh, as, as, as you guys know, they just made this fight a title eliminator. So, you know, if, if there wasn't already enough motivation going into this fight fighting me, you know, that he's, you know, uh, if he ends up beating me, he's one step closer to a title. So I feel like Ronald Ellis is coming into this fight very focused, very motivated. And but I'm, you know, I'm extremely motivated. I'm extremely focused. You know, I worked, I worked uh, hard for this, you know, this whole training camp. So I'm looking at, I'm looking for it to be a really good fight. You know, last time we saw you was last August when uh, you took on Romer and Gulo. Um, how different of a fighter will we see uh, when you take on Ronald Ellis? I feel like you're going to see a completely different fighter. You know, there's still going to be everything I do is going to be the same, you know, great jab, great body shots, great combinations. But I feel like right now we're at the place I'm at mentally and physically, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred times better than I was, you know, last, last August. I, I came to, this is my first time coming in big bear since I fought Porky Medina. And then you guys seen how I look like when I fought Porky Medina. So now I'm, I'm expecting the same type of flash, the same type of combinations and, you know, I'm, I'm getting older as well. You know, I just turned 24 being out here, and I feel like I'm getting that much closer to my man's strength. So I feel strong. I feel good. And everything everything is perfect for this training camp. So I feel like I'm going to have a – I'm going to get an early early stoppage. Hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned Big Bear and that you've been training there. You've been training there for weeks. Why Big Bear instead of your own gym there in Washington State? Well, you know, because of what happened, you know, you know, um, you know, a lot of my promoters, you know, and myself included, was very upset for me not making the weight. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to get a fresh start, get out here, um, you know, and be a little bit more, uh, 
not focused because I was already focused, but make sure everything is on point. You know, I just had a weigh-in today with the WBC. I was 175, so I'm about six, seven pounds, you know, um, uh, closer to the weight. And everything has been good. I feel like when I'm in Big Bear, you know, I get the best out of myself. You know, mentally and physically, I'm the best I've been in my whole career. And uh, like I said, I've been working for this fight, preparing like it feels a world title fight. You know, I didn't cut no corners. I didn't, I didn't skip any rounds. I didn't skip any miles. I'm taking, um, I'm taking, uh, you know, my my opponent very serious. You know, so I, I just feel like you know this is what has had to be done. You know, um, obviously, um, it was very unfortunate because you know I just had my son. I had to leave him um, over there in Washington. But to become a champion, these are the sacrifices you have to make. And what about going forward? Do you do you see yourself training back at your gym in Washington State, or is this going to be something that's going to be uh, frequently you're going to do frequently going forward? I I think for my career, this is going to be uh, the the route I'm going to take. You know, like I said, mentally and physically, I feel like I'm at my best out here, and I'm at, I'm at my peak. And I'm very satisfied with the work we've been doing and how I've been looking and sparring. You know, I've been going 15 rounds each sparring session I'm having. You know, I've been sparring for. 10 weeks already every round every session has been 15 rounds so I feel like you know the big fights are going to come they're, they're going to come sooner than later so I feel like for me to be out of my best shape and to get the best of myself I have to train up here so I'm going to be coming back here you know it, it seems like David uh everybody in your weight division wants Canelo Alvarez and why not I mean he's you know ranked as the top guy uh, in the division obviously it's always a big money maker how realistic do you think is that fight for you? You know, to be honest, I'm not really even thinking about Canelo right now. You know, I feel like everybody's chasing Canelo. Everybody's chasing Canelo. But I feel like there's more fights to be made. Um, realistically, if that fight were to happen, you know, if I, everything goes perfect, I win, I win the fights, you know, and then, you know, I end up fighting for the WBC title maybe in a year, a year and a half. But I feel like right now there's, there's a lot of great fighters on 168, you know, especially I heard about Charlo coming up to 168, you know, me and him been going back and forth, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's Billy Joe Sanders, there's uh, Callum Smith and there's Caleb Plant. So I feel like for me, myself, I want to earn the Canelo fight. And I feel like the way I earn the Canelo fight is going through all these people. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure I can make it happen. And I'm sure I, I'm, you know, I'm 100% positive I could beat all these guys. You know, so the only thing I need is opportunity right now. And at the end of the day, boxing wins because these are the fights all the fans want to see. So why not? Let's get it. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, Caleb Plant. You know, we had Caleb uh, on the show. Uh, and obviously, you know, we, we asked him about fighting you. Uh, my question to you is, have you had any conversations at all with uh, Al Heyman, uh, the PBC, uh, about getting a Caleb Plant fight this year. You know, I've, I've you know, I've, I've, I've tried to have a conversation over and over again, but you know, at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to fight me, there's nothing I could do. I feel like he's gonna sit out as long as he can until he gets the Canelo fight, because you know, for him, it's just business and business, business-wise, that fight makes more sense than anything to him because. I feel like I'm more of a threat and he doesn't win as much, you know, if he, um, he loses more, if he loses against me than if he loses against Canelo. But even after, you know, if he gets the Canelo fight, if he beats him or he loses, you know, I still want to fight Caleb Plant either way. You know, I felt like there's a lot of unsettled business right there. That we have to settle. But I mean, like I said, I've been trying to get that fight. I've been, I've been pushing for it. I've been pushing for it. And I feel like it's time. I feel like the fans want to see that fight. So, I mean, I'm willing to fight on my end. You know, but if the fight's not happening, it's because something's going on on that end. 
so when we we talk with Caleb, and I want to I want to uh, quote him. Uh, he said, "Of course, he feels that way. You know, he's done lost his belt twice, once to cocaine, and now he's done lost it on the scale, coming in like three pounds over, or whatever. So, of course, he wants to feel like that he can just jump the line again and get a world title fight. And you know, in his eyes, he feels he's going to beat me and then get the Canelo fight, but." Boxing doesn't work that way. So um, he, he's had his opportunities and, you know, we were working close, getting closer and closer to being able to make that fight happen for the fans. Um, that's a fight that I've wanted for a long time, even when he won the belt from um, Ronald Graville. You know, I was standing right at the bottom of the stairs before he could even get to the bottom saying, hey, let's fight, let's make the fight happen. And uh, he said that I needed a world title first and that I needed to, you know, get up to his level and, you know, that way we can make a big fight. And since then, he's lost the belt twice. So, you know, it seems like he don't feel the same way when, you know, it has to do with him. So um, that fight will happen. He needs to work his way back and I'll gladly bust his ass. What's your response to that? I mean, so, I mean, what do you, what do you guys want me to say? You know, he goes, he fights Andy Lee, he fights Fighting Boots, and then he fights uh, Caleb Truex. You know, people, they're starting to catch on. They don't want to see these fights I mean, because they're very one-sided. And these guys are more over the hill than they are behind it. You know what I mean? These guys, you know, they have losses. They've been knocked out. So, you know, I think the people are starting to question Caleb playing. You know, I, I feel like the best should just fight the best anyways. And I'm not even looking. I'm not thinking about beating him just to fight Canelo. I want to, you know, specifically be his ass. Just to get that out the way, I'm not thinking about anybody after and I'm not thinking anybody before. You know, I want to get that fight in because it's me and him is something personal. We have to that we uh, that we have to settle in the ring. And we've been you know, we've been hyping that fight. I mean, the, the groundwork is done. Already. We've been having that fight up for about four years. So I feel like that fight has to be made. It's not skipping no line. How am I skipping the line if I be, I've already been the two time? Two-time world champion at 168. There's not if there's in a if there's any line, I should be in the front of that line. I'm not skipping nobody. I was already a champion already. So instead of him saying I'm skipping the line, then why is he fighting people that's you know Anthony Durrell knocked out Caleb Truax. Caleb Truax has a lot of losses. Fighting boots have been beat. And the only person that you know that wasn't beat was Andy Lee or Mike Lee, whatever his name is, and he wasn't even ranked anywhere near there. So, you know, so I feel like he's just, he has to say stuff. He has to come back with stuff because, you know, he knows that the pressure is being put on. Everybody wants to see that fight with or without, without title. You know, I would love to fight that dude with or without a title. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know, your, your father was quoted uh, not too long ago as saying, Caleb Plant has no heart. What does that mean? <laughs> no, I don't think he said that. I think he said he has no balls. <laughs> 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 yeah um i mean at, i think it, it comes a point in time where a champion he has to face some type of adversity and not only because of the fighter you know he, he has to face a fighter where it has to be a 50 50 you know um and i feel like that's where he comes where my my father's saying whatever he said because you know he's not really challenging himself he's not going up he's not really um, you know, solidifying himself as a champion. A true champion goes out there and beats a guy that everybody says that he's not going to beat. You know, so like, just like me, that's why I want, because of when I'm done with this, I want my legacy to be that, you know, David Benavides, he didn't overlook, he didn't, you know, um, he didn't dug no opponent. He fought the best of the best and he, beats, he beat the best of the best. That's why I'm trying so hard to make these fights happen, you know, with either Charlo, Caleb Plant, Canelo, all these, all these dudes, that are, you know, right here in, in, in my weight class. But I feel like I just need to wait for my opportunity. And 
at the end of the day, time is on my side. So I got more than enough time for everybody. You know, these guys clocks are running out, but I just turned 24 and I feel, I feel like I'm getting stronger. And, and not only that, I'm getting the experience in the ring. I'm learning more every day. I know how to go from a 12 round fight, a 12 round championship fight. I know how to hurt people early and I know how to hurt people late. So, I mean, it's getting more dangerous for them the longer they wait. Uh, we'll wrap up the Caleb uh, subject with this. Uh, I just saw Eddie Hearn said um, that you and Caleb should fight in May and then the winner should fight Canelo Alvarez. What do you think about that? I mean, I feel like that's that's really good. Not only for, you know, Canelo, but it's also good for the sport. I feel like sometimes these fights are given out a little bit too easy. I feel like these fighters have to earn the opportunity, especially if it's against a cash cow like Canelo. So, I mean, I'm all up for it, you know, but um, I feel like, you know, if, if you tell it to Caleb, you know, fight David and then fight Canelo or just fight Canelo, he's definitely going to go with Canelo because he knows that I'm a threat. As much as he says, as much as he talks about me, he knows I'm a threat. From round one to round 12, I'm a threat until that fight ends. Um, you mentioned his name, and so I wanted to bring it up because he – he got on social media and talked about you as Jamal Charlo. And he basically said, uh, uh, with David Benavides, let's fight at a catch weight, uh, but he's got to get vaccinated. I want to make sure that I'm fighting people who've been vaccinated. How realistic do you think then a Charlo Benavides fight could be? That, and that just, you know, the type of stuff he says is very silly. I mean, I mean, isn't it enough that we go through these protocols already? I'm testing negative all the time. And now he wants to do it at a catch weight. But before, like, I had heard Charlo, let me tell you how it started. You know, I had heard Charlo was going to come up to 168, like, last year. So I kept getting, you know, I kept getting interviewed. People kept asking me, and I had never disrespected him at any point. I said, you know, I like Charlo. I like the way he fights. You know, me, you know, just looking into the fight as a fan, I mean, I would think it would be an amazing fight. I feel like me and Charlo had a similar style, and it would be a great fight. They kept asking me. I kept saying the same stuff. And I think I seen an interview with Charlo not too long ago. And um, he said, you know, he would knock me the F out. You know, he's, oh, yeah, I'll break. I'll snap his neck. I'll go up to 160. I'll snap his neck. He's exactly like Lubin. I'm like, all right, so you, if you better, if you're going to talk to me like that, you better be ready to back them words. I never back down for nobody. So I kept saying it. I didn't say I was going to go down to 160. I didn't say I wanted to fight him at a catch weight. He said he was going to come up to my weight class. So I think when people really started putting the pressure on him, this one, this type of stuff said that he wants me to get vaccinated. He wants me, you know, he wants to meet at a catch weight. He wants to see proof of GED, you know what I mean? So, so it's just, uh, I mean, it, it's just silly, man. I mean, like I said, I, I welcome all challenges. You know, I, I, lo I love it. I'm, this is what I'm here for. I'm in the sport of boxing because I want to, I want to do stuff that people say I can't do. And this is this is a combat sport. At the end of the day, I'm not scared of nobody. But for him to keep, he calls me out, and then he backpedals, and then he puts all these restrictions or whatever on just the fight. It's it's kind of it's kind of odd. But um, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep calling him out. I'm gonna keep antagonizing him. I'm gonna keep pushing his buttons until that until he's gonna have to see me in the ring. So I mean, hopefully that fight happens. I mean, I feel like for me, just talking about you know, uh, how, uh, which way my career wants to go. I feel like that has to be one of the fights I have to get. Yeah. And, and what, as we wrap up the Charlo subject, what does Jamal Charlo need to know if he's coming to 168 and fighting David Benavides? That that'll be his last fight at 168. I'll send him back down to 160. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, another young man we had on, uh, on our, on the, uh, the show was Mr. Berlanga. 
Yeah. Uh, and obviously in your weight division, a young, hungry, young lion. And so I guess he had heard uh, uh, something that you had said about him, you know, knocking out a lot of like tomato cans or, you know, guys that he hadn't, he hadn't fought yet. And so his quote uh, on the show was, when I asked him, I said, what about David Benavidez? Quote. He should really, you know, take a step back and, and understand it and look into, into the box record and understand the first 16 opponents he fought and the first 16 opponents I fought. You know, I've been fighting guys with winning, rec winning records that's never been stopped before. He's hating, you know, he, he he sees the buzz that I'm getting. That's a complete lie though. I went on his box track, I seen that. And the guys that he fought have never been knocked out. Go on his pull his box track up right now, you'll see they have been knocked out. So I don't know where he's getting this type of information. I don't know if he's just trying to flex because he's on your show or this and that, but I pulled up his box track and those guys have been knocked out. There has been no guys there that has winning records. So first of all, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, second of all, I'm not his, I'm not his friend. I'm not trying to be his friend. I'm not trying to be nice to him. At the end of the day, we're the same age. I think he's 23. I'm 24. I just turned 24. So he's in my weight class. Of course, if he has, you know, everybody thinks, you know, he's the next line coming up. Like I said, uh, these are the type of fights I want. He should be happy that I'm mentioning his name because I only mention people who are good. I don't want to fight people that are less than me or that have no name. You know, I mean, I see he has potential to be a good fighter. You know, he's a really good fighter. He has a lot of knockouts. and if the fight would ever happen, it would be an amazing fight. You know, Mexican and Puerto Ricans, you know, they'll get together. It would be a, it would be a huge fight. It would be a huge fight. So these are the type of fights I want. But I mean, I mean, everybody gets mad. They can say, "Well, I'm not." At the end of the day, I'm not nobody's friend here. I'm not gonna trying to be their friend. I'm not trying to be in a relationship with these people. I'm trying to knock them out. So mm -hmm. if they get mad, so be it. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna try and knock you out anyways. <laughs> uh, and I love having guys of your caliber on because you're so honest. So let me ask you this. If it was up to you, um, not uh, Mr. Lukowicz, who, you know, helps uh, manage you and, and things of that nature in the PBC. But if it was up to David Benavidez and you say, you know what, B, these are going to be my next three fights. Who would those, what would be your next three fights? The first one would have to definitely have to be Charlo. The second one, Caleb Plant. And then if the third one, if it would even be possible for I to get blessed, that blessing would be Canelo. But um, those, those are the top three fights. I've been thinking of that for a while. So, I mean, um, those would be the fights I would love to get. And as you sit here now, as talented as you are and as exciting as a fighter have you, have you come to terms uh, yet with the fact that you've lost the title now twice outside of the ring? Yeah, I mean – Stuff happens, man. I mean, it's just me, just especially what I had the last time it happened. It was just something that was not in my control, you know, with the coronavirus. I should have been a little bit way more prepared or I should have been more prepared. It's just that, you know, the last week is crucial with the saunas and the hot bathtubs that you need. And I didn't have any access to that the last week of the fight. But, hey, I'm not the only one that's been missing weight because of the, of the pandemic. Look, at, you see, it was me starting off first. And then it was very unfortunate. I had to be the first one to get thrown under the bus like that. But, I mean, I take full responsibility for that. But if you guys see David Morrell, he missed weight too. And then I haven't heard nobody say nothing about him. He fought at, it was supposed to be 168. He made 170 points something. And then instead of taking his belt, they changed his fight from a title fight to a 10 round. You know what I mean? There's other people has been a lot, a lot of people have been missing weight and I'm just not an excuse, but this is just different times we're living in. And it, especially if you go into a bubble, not knowing nothing, not thinking that you're going to be able to go to, you know, run outside or 
go get in the sauna. You can't do that. When we got to Connecticut, I had a quarantine for two days inside the room. When we'd be able to leave the room, I can only leave for an hour a day. So I was just very unprepared for that. But as you know, uh, making peace with losing the belt twice. I mean, right now, the only thing that matters is that I'm, you know, I'm still extremely hungry. I'm working as hard as I can. You know, I make these sacrifices. I think you guys could tell because if, you know, I didn't have to leave. I didn't have to, I left the week of my birthday. The next week was Christmas. My son was two months old. I didn't have to leave that week. 13 weeks is more than enough time to, you know, you had to do 12, 12 weeks would be perfect training camp. But I just said, you know what? I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be on point. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I told my girlfriend that I'm sorry I have to leave, you know, before my birthday and Christmas and my son's first New Year's. But, you know, everything is going to be worth it. I'm doing this for, for you guys at the end of the day. So um, like, I'm just looking at the future. I'm just looking at the future. And everything is uh, I'm working hard to make sure, you know, to keep this weight on check and everything else has been on check. So now I just look towards the future. I don't look back no more. Um, you know, I, I love uh, your story, man, because I think people um, are it's mind boggling to think that at one point you were a 15 year old kid uh, that was like well over 250 pounds and just basically playing video games, sitting on the couch. If you could give us the brief version of how David Benavidez not only changed his life, got himself in shape and then got right into boxing. Yeah, well, I had I, I I was born into boxing. Basically, I was three years old when I first started boxing, and the way that happened is I was always my brother was always training. He was like seven years old because he's five years older than me, so I was three. He was seven, something like that, or eight. And I would just keep passing by. You know, a little kid he wants to go in the garage, he wants to train with his brother and his father, and eventually they let me in. So I had been training until I was twelve years old maybe about so like almost 10 or nine years and then my brother he got an opportunity to get signed by top rank but he had to go uh, to the wild card gym to train there so my parents were divorced they had been divorced for a long time so he went that way I went this way and for the first time in my life I didn't have to train the first time in 10 years I could just be a kid be at home play video games and eat all day and I just got too comfortable with it man and one day I looked at myself in the mirror I was already like 160 before he left and I, I ended up going to like 250, some wow. like that in like less than a year. And I looked at myself in the mirror one time, I'm like, man, if I keep going, it's not, you know, I don't even recognize myself no more. And I'm going to have a lot of health problems when I get older. And I, just, I don't, you know, I feel like I invested 10 years of my life into boxing already just to throw it away in a year. I'm like, I'm just going to call my dad up, see if, uh, if they're going to let me go over there and train with them. So when I got over there, I was 13 years old and it started, I started training, you know, my dad, he was like, I don't even know where we're going to start, but I mean, I mean, if you want to lose weight, we can start, we can try to start losing weight. So I started, I shed off in a year, I shed off like a 50 pounds. And then the next year, like another 40 pounds, something like that. But the thing about that was I had already, I had the, the, the experience in boxing already. Mm. So once we got the weight off, I was like, oh, well, what's the next move? I'm not just going to be training just to train, you know? So the first guy I sparred, um, the first real world champion I sparred was Latif Coyote. I was 14 years old. Yeah. So I was 200 or 190, like 185, something like that. And I was just, I think that's really where everything started. My mentality had to change a little bit different because these guys, you know, when you spar a world champion, 
they'll spar you until you catch them with something. Then they'll try to kill you. So I had to learn. I had to learn to defend myself like that. You know, Latif Coyote's freaking big, six two, scars in his face. But I, I, the thing about me is I always had heart. I never backed down from nobody. I never, you know, I never shied away from a fight. You know, if I got hit with one shot, I had to come back with three more shots. So it started with him. And then I sparred Peter Quillen. And then I got the opportunity to spar Kelly Pavlik. And that was at 15. Wow. And then I'll, you know, sparring other guys, sparring, uh, uh, you know, some really good amateurs. And then I got the I got the chance to come down here to Big Bear for the first time at 16, and I sparred Golovkin before he made his U.S. debut. So I didn't even know who Golovkin was. Nobody knew who Golovkin was. And I, the first day we sparred each other, um, it was in the last round, in the last 30 seconds, we both got each other with the left hook to the body. And I know I caught him. I know he felt my shot because we hit that low left hook, and we both stepped back, and we just looked at each other in the bell, <laughs> and we just embraced each other. And I feel like that was a really great relationship with me and him. I worked the last time I sparred him, it was when he uh, fought Daniel Jacobs. So it was like four years working with him. And I think he really sharpened up my mind because I had to be extremely sharp with him. That guy was, man, is if, if I slacked one day, you could, cause you never know when Golovkin, he has such, such power. He could hurt you with any given moment. So you have to be extremely sharp, extremely sharp. So when I figured out how to, box him and do stuff with him everybody else became it just became cake it became extremely easy not extremely easy but it, it became different because Golovkin was a different caliber of fighter so I feel like he was the pinnacle of everything and once I learned how to box him you know sometimes I'll box him and do stuff with him everybody else was easy but I sparred after him we went we sparred um we sparred Gabriel Rosado we also sparred Gilberto, Gil, uh, Gilberto Ramirez for a couple years I also sparred Dimitri Bivol for the last, I'm thinking like a year and a half before COVID. And then uh, also Alexander, uh, what's his name? Um, the one that fought, uh, got knocked out by Arter Berterbeef. Oh, Arter Be Berterbeef. Yeah. Yeah. But the one that fought him. Okay. And I sparred him too. So, I mean, I just... And then also what, you know, is what's, what it makes me very proud too, is I wasn't, you know, I really came from the bottom, man. I didn't, I was probably less, I wasn't anybody in boxing because I didn't even have an amateur career. The only thing I had going for myself is people would hear, hear about me and hear about my name because I had wars in the gyms, wars on top of wars on top of wars. So, um, I mean, but you know, that can only get you so much, you know, people, you know, especially promoters, they look at you like, Oh yeah, he's a, he's a gym warrior. You know what I mean? So I really had to work my way up from the bottom and I got signed and, you know, I think everything happens. You know, I, when I started boxing or when I really started taking boxing serious before I turned professional, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to become a world champion, but I'm not going to be a boxer and not put my 110% in it. So I, if I don't, if I don't become anything in boxing, it's fine with me. All I want to do is make sure I gave him my all and whatever happens, happens. And to this day, I feel like that's the mentality I have and everything paid out for himself, man. I'm, I'm extremely happy where I'm at in my life today. That's great, man. What do you think about these YouTubers, man? And, and all of a sudden it's become the fad that these YouTubers are having these huge fights. I honestly, man, I don't, if they could do it, they could do it. I feel like they found a real life hack in boxing. You know, those are real life hacks. I mean, not everybody could do it. I mean, I don't mind watching it, to be honest with you. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I guess. But um, as of like of a sign of disrespect to boxing, it kind of is because these guys get paid more than, you know, actual boxers that really 
put their whole career, their soul, and their soul into their career. And um, I don't feel like that's fair at all. I feel like a lot of boxers are underpaid too. But if they could do it, I mean, that's just the way the world works, man. Um, sometimes you can't do nothing about it. But I mean, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I don't really feel no type of way about it. This segment of the show is brought to you by Man Cave Health. It's a public charity that raises awareness nationwide for prostate cancer. Many of you know I battled prostate cancer, and it had it not been for me taking a PSA test, you know, the doctor told me I could have been dead uh, within a year. 30,000 men die every year from prostate cancer simply because they didn't know their number. They didn't get an annual check. And also, do you know one out of every four black men are diagnosed with prostate cancer? So along those lines, let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, the first question is, how important is your health to you, David? You know, my whole health is everything. And it's not only for about myself, it's about my family too, because if anything happens to me, I mean, I feel like it's very devastating. Nobody wants to, see, nobody in your family wants to see you go, go through anything. So yes, the health definitely has to be number one and the most important thing in your life. And, and along those lines, you know, obviously you have father, you have an older brother, uh, uncles. Has anyone in your family ever been uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer or anyone in your family ever had prostate cancer? No, nobody in my fa family has ever had it. And, and, and even though you're a professional athlete and you know you have to get a physical every year because you have to be in great shape, are you one to make sure that, let's say, your father, your uncles, uh, the other men in your life are regularly getting checked? You know, definitely. I feel like you definitely have to push them to that point because I feel like me, not only just me, but my dad is Mexican and a lot of Mexicans are hardheaded, man. So I feel like definitely we have to be on top of that because at the end of the day, my father's my rock and I never want to see nothing happen to him or even my uncles, you know, my my uh, my uncles and my grandparents, man. So that definitely has to be something you have to push, you know, to make sure everybody's in good health um, to go get themselves checked up. The mission for Man Cave Health is to encourage all men to take just one hour out of the year to either get a physical and a PSA test. And with donations from people just like you, you can help other men who maybe don't have the resources to pay for a PSA test or a physical exam. All you've got to do is go to the Man Cave Health website at mancavehealth.org and sign up for their free newsletter. It is a great resource. And please make a donation because this public charity is trying to make sure that all men can get a physical and a PSA test. And all you've got to do to donate to this public charity is text the last stand to 44321. Fantastic. Dave, uh, obviously, for everyone who watches the show, we allow them to submit questions through social media. Man, we got a number of them. So let's get right to them here. Uh, this first one comes from Twitter. Uh, this guy asks, he says, David, I started boxing when I was 14. I'm 17 now. I still haven't had my first amateur fight. Do you think I'm behind in the sport if I want a future? I don't think you're behind in the sport. I think the type of mentality that you have, you know, you definitely have to make it a little bit more stronger because, you know, it, it just depends on all the work that you put in. You know, I feel, I feel like you're only as good as the work you put in. So if you keep working day and night, you know, obviously 
even for me at this time, you know, boxing and training is still hard for me. And I've been boxing almost 22 years. So you just have to keep pushing and, you know, keep having that dream in your head. You see Sergio Martinez. Well, he started boxing at what, 21 years old? Mm-hmm. Became one of the best middleweights in history. The bronze bomber. You know, he was a, he was a, he was a college football player. He took on boxing pretty late, arguably, arguably one of the best heavyweights ever in history. So I don't think it's too late. I think, you know, if you really want something bad enough, you go in there, you say your mind, dedicate yourself, and we can make anything happen. Uh, next one comes from Twitter. It uh, asks, what was a better performance for you and why? The rematch you had with Graville or the fight you had with Medina? I think for me, for me personally, the better um, – the better match, in my opinion, was against Gravel because, you know, the stakes were a little bit higher. You know, it was a rematch. You know, people thought he beat me in the first fight. So, you know, I just had to go out there and show people why I was the youngest super middleweight champion in the world. You know, the first fight was good. It was a close fight. I gave it to him that. But, you know, as me being as young as I was, 21 years old, and I just set myself apart from the fighter that everybody thought that was a close fight against, I mean um, – that was uh, more satisfying to me. I mean, I, obviously the, the knockout was satisfying, but you know, just for me personally, knowing that I could come back and set myself apart that much, I think the second uh, match with Gabriel was more satisfying. Uh, this next one comes from Twitter from Art Man. He asks, uh, "What did you think about Canelo when he said a year and a half of, ago that he didn't want to fight uh, other Mexicans?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's for like he just. Sometimes, man, I feel like boxers just say all any type of stuff just to get the pressure off of them. I don't. I really don't know what he meant about that. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm Mexican American and Ecuadorian, so I mean, I'm not, you know, 100% full Mexican. So yes, he's gonna have to fight me. But I don't. It's just. I think it's just. Sometimes he just says stuff. But I don't really have too much of an opinion on that. I really didn't know what he meant by that himself either. But uh, this one from Twitter from uh, he says. Uh, how realistic is the fight between you and Jamal from actually happening? Well, I mean, the way I'm going to start pushing this fight, you know, he's going to have to take it or else people, you know, people are going to start to see what type of person he is, you know. Um, I feel like Jamal Charlo, he's just, a t he's really just a talker too. I mean, you see that with Daniel Jacobs, you see with Bubu Andrade, all these people, I think he just likes to hype himself up. At the end of the day, he doesn't even have, he doesn't even like to make the fights, but I mean, I mean, I think this would be a great fight. It makes sense for me, for him, and for PVC because I feel like it could potentially be a pay-per-view fight. So, I mean, why not? I mean, hopefully, I'm gonna, I will talk to Al Heyman and everybody and Lisa Kubis after the fight and see how how likely that fight is to make happen. But hopefully it gets made. Another one from Twitter asks, uh, David, Charlo, Plant, Berlanga, which one of these guys can you get in the ring you think ASAP? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's I'm trying to figure that out myself, man. That's a hard question, but I don't know, bro. Honestly, to be honest with you, I would love to get all of them in the ring the next three fights, but you see how you see how this goes. I mean, I've been calling them out, and they show no interest in fighting me, so it's a question I really can't answer right now. Uh, this one from Xander from Twitter. Yes, he says, uh, David, why do you continue to lose your belts outside of the ring? I guess undisciplined. I mean, I can't say nothing. I mean, what do you guys want me to say? This you guys want me to say I'm undisciplined. I'm undisciplined. But you know, now we're trying to make up for everything, and you know, I feel like we're in the right path now. So I can't really talk about the stuff I did back then. Now I could just try to show you guys what I'm made about.
today and now. Uh, this one from Twitter as well. It says, is it more satisfying or frustrating being the, the most avoided uh, and best boxer in the world, or is it both? And if so, which one do you lean more towards? I mean, I feel like it's a little bit more frustrating because at the, at the end of the day, I just want to get these fights made. And I feel like if you have a little, if you're more of a threat than these people, I mean, um, than any other fighter, then it's hard for you to get fights. Like how long it took Golovkin to get that Canelo fight made. Um, it's, a, it's very frustrating, but satisfying at the end of the day, because if people don't want to get these fights made with you, it's for a reason. But I mean, I'm the youngest dude out here, you know, and everybody, you know, they're not really too eager to get these fights have, uh, made with me. So, I mean, it's frustrating, but satisfying at the same time. Uh, last one from Twitter. It says, when will you make the permanent move up to 175? Um, I don't feel like I'm in a rush to go to 175. If an opportunity presents itself, like against John Pascal or Abadu Jack, where we can make those fights happen, I would definitely go up. Um, but right now, I feel like there's too much. Uh, there's a lot of fights I want to get made on 168. I mean, I can move up to 175, no problem. No, I would have no problem. I was already 176 today or 175. But uh, I, I feel like there's – I know I owe it to my people and my fans, and I got to give them the – I got to give them the Caleb plant. I got to give them the Charlo. I got to give them the Berlanga one day or in Canelo. So I feel like I'm going to be here for the next three, four years. And the good thing about it is I'm still young. I'm still 24 years old, so I still got a lot of time I know ahead of me. So I'm going to be here for, for uh, 168 for a couple more years. All right, David Benavides, it's time for the last segment of this show. We call it the last stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready, big fella? Let's go. First thing that comes to your mind when I say the name Caleb Plant? I don't want to say it, man. I, don't, I feel like this is a fan-friendly. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to swear, but. No, just, we, it's, it's the unfiltered straight talk on the last stand. I'll just say coward. He's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is the best fighter at 168 not named Canelo or David Benavides? Mm. Billy Joe Sanders. Mm. Uh, who's the biggest puncher at 168? David Benavides. <laughs> <laughs> David Benavides will be a three-time world champion win. Once I get that fight with Canelo Alvarez. Okay. So we is that, what, a year from now? Is that... Oh, uh, what? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I want to know the question. I want to know the answer to two is maybe in a, maybe in, in a year. Maybe in okay. a year. Got it. Uh, last but not least, the greatest fighter to come out of Phoenix... Is it Michael Carvajal or David Benavides? I'll give it to Michael Carvajal. You know, oh, I, how about that? Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of boxing, and I uh, I respect things that they've accomplished. You know, so compared to Michael Carvajal, I haven't accomplished anything. But I'm on my way. You know, by the time I finish my career, David Benavides will be the greatest fighter to ever come out of Phoenix. You know what? And we'll wrap it up with this. I mean, everybody, when they, when you mentioned David Benavidez, they're like, yo, I love that kid. In your opinion, what makes David Benavidez special? I think it's just the way I fight, the way I come forward, the way I never shy away from a fight. 
and I think people could connect to me a little bit easier to uh, to other fighters because, you know, um, I was a little fat kid. You know, I was a kid that was never supposed to be nothing in boxing. So I feel like they gravitate towards me a little bit. And I mean, you know me, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. You know, Absolutely. I feel like I've ever, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, you know, I'm, I'm a prick, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a bad guy. So I feel like people at the end of the day, they like, they like to be around people and they love to support a person that's really a, a people person like me. Hey, you hit it right on the head. I'd say one everything you said, 100%. Uh, David Benavides, two-time WBC uh, super middleweight champ. I look forward to the time when you're the champion again. I appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you so much. And uh, also, I want to thank you and everybody else who supports me. I really appreciate the love and support. Thank you so and much. My man, that's what we do here on The Last Stand. We bring you some of the biggest names of the sport, like David Benavides. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you again next week.